I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. This episode is a Sound of Your Heritage episode, and today in this episode, we're spotlighting the music of Vietnam. Joining us today from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, is Sivaraj Pragasam, also known as Siv. Siv is a creator, director, filmmaker, and writer by profession. He is active covering events and promoting awareness of Vietnam's fast-growing independent music scene for local publications. Welcome to the show, Siv. Hi. <laughs> nice. Glad to be here. <laughs> I just got back from a trip to Vietnam. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And one of the things I really enjoyed was the food, especially the egg coffee. That was my favorite. (laughs) You have compared Vietnamese music to its food, saying that both are complicated, diverse, and yet still largely unknown to the rest of the world. I kind of got the impression from what I've read that there's been a lot happening in Vietnam's music scene since their economic reform in the early 90s. Before that, the country was going through wars in the 70s and was a pretty poor country, comparatively speaking. Before we talk about the current music scene in Vietnam, can you give us just a little historical glimpse of Vietnamese music before the 90s? Like what kind of music was happening and being made during that time? What kind of instruments were being played? That sort of thing. Okay. Way before the war, in the 50s, 60s, we used to have a lot of, I mean, not we, but in, in Vietnam, in Saigon especially, it used to be a very cosmopolitan city. So there were a lot of uh, American soldiers and all that, reporters who, who hang out in bars. So live music started becoming a, a like popular thing, rock and roll and all that was huge in Saigon mm-hmm. back then. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have a lot of the local ballads and, and you know, the old time singers who come up with evergreen tunes, usually related to politics, related to the kind of ideology with the country. So that was pretty much what was dominant in the music scene back then until the war happened, you know, mm-hmm. and then priorities got shifted. Uh, and like you mentioned in the 80s, it was a terrible time for people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things only started picking up after the economic reform in the early 90s mm-hmm. uh, when Vietnam decided to, to open up its markets. And so that's when the economy started to improve, you know, and people started to uh, explore their dreams other than, you know, fighting for survival. Mm-hmm. So that was around the time when the foundation of modern Vietnamese music started. Okay. You know, so you have everything from metal and rock bands to electronic music to hip hop, you know, and all of these started growing in the late 90s, early 2000s. And then I would say like right up to now at this point, uh, it would be probably the, one of the fastest growing in the region in terms oh, really? of underground. Yeah, in terms of underground and mainstream music. So when you say underground, how would you define that? So underground music, by definition, uh, is the kind of stuff that you don't really hear on the radio or on mainstream uh, media. You know, these are things usually experimental or stuff that artists create for themselves rather than for the general public, as oh. opposed to mainstream where you where your artists are creating stuff for the general public. Okay. So if it's mm. music that artists are just creating for themselves, how do you measure how big it's become? It sounds like you're you're saying it's a huge it's a huge thing. How do you measure that if it's something that's not being played on the airwaves and it's just something that artists are making for themselves? Two reasons. I mean two 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 points to this. Number one is the following they get. Because mm. if they are independent, they don't go on mainstream media, which means that they are on the internet. 
So you have SoundCloud, mm. you have MixCloud, you have uh, you know Spotify and all this stuff. So uh, okay. a lot of a lot of these people got their following through the internet, uh, okay. not so much on social media. Yeah, you know. Ah. The other thing is endorsement because one way to measure popularity of uh, an artist, whether mainstream or or underground, is the kind of endorsements they get on a commercial level. So I know for a fact because I I I was working directly with them as well. I know for a fact that certain big brands. Uh, in Vietnam, global brands in Vietnam, they have been using uh some of these musicians as their KOLs, uh, key opinion leaders. You okay. know, so that is usually one indicator that there is a particular following, there's a particular demographic that's attached to this person or to this artist. You yeah, know, so and are usually these brands kind of like athletic brands. What kind of brands are they? Am I allowed to to mention names? <laughs> okay, but can you can you mention the industry? Like, is it food? Yeah. Is it um, clothing? Is it athletic gear? Uh, most of them are lifestyle brands. I would say the most popular would be mobile phone brands. A lot of major mobile phone brands they are targeting okay. the the younger demographic. Sure. A lot of them use these artists. So I would say, okay. like in the last year or so, I've seen a lot of underground rappers and uh, musicians. Appearing on commercials for brands that are usually associated with mainstream, uh, the mainstream target audience. Ah, okay, mm. okay. So those yep. brands are hiring some of those underground musicians, not just the mainstream. Okay, that's right. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's the following. Yeah, it's, it's all about the following. So uh-huh. that is an indicator that that this particular artist has a huge following. Simple as that. Okay. So it sounds like Vietnam, Vietnam does have a really diverse music scene. Because if you think about back prior to the 90s, there were the folk tunes, there were the anthem, the nationalist anthems, there was classical music, like there are composers who compose Vietnamese opera, Vietnamese composers who wrote sonatas for violin and piano. And then you look more into 90s and later, you're talking about mainstream pop music, you're talking about the underground music. Uh, that, yep. There's a lot going on. There's also this term called V-pop. Descri- explain yes. that to us. Okay, so you know somewhere in the 1990s, we had J-pop, where you have like the Hayumi Hamasaki of Japan, you know, like J- Japanese pop was like the big yeah. thing in the 90s. Okay. And then after that, after that, at the turn of the century, it became K-pop. Okay. You know, you have uh, Korean pop. Even, even until now, it's still popular, you know, but uh-huh. what happened was... Uh, during that period when J-pop, K-pop, and even Taiwanese pop, you know, like all these music, they're, I mean, they're more or less similar in a lot of ways. Okay. So during that period of time, uh, people in Vietnam, in Southeast Asia in general, you have the similar thing in Thailand as well. But in Vietnam, these people, they, they took influences from uh, these particular pop movements in terms of fashion, in terms of music, in terms of the, the whole imagery and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, they decided to find their own sound, you know? Okay. So, Early Vietnamese pop, I would say, wasn't original in the sense that you have music that sounded like something you heard before somewhere else, but with Vietnamese uh, lyrics. Mm. That was that's how that's how things start, you know. That's how mm. it started back then. But then subsequently, they started to find their own voice, you know. So, I would say at that point in time, at this point in time, right now, V-pop is finding its voice. You know, is it, is moving away from the K-pop and the J-pop. It might be the next big thing. I don't know. Hard to mm. tell for now. Okay. But it's veering. It's veering towards that direction. Okay. Now, the image that I have in my mind of J-pop and K-pop, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but the image that I have is that it's kind of like the bubblegum, poppy, um, like kind of fluffy, it sounds good to everybody, kind of beboppy, upbeat type uh, pop music. Is that accurate? You have that. Uh, You usually have that, but uh, I wouldn't say that's the only thing. 
you know, just like K-pop, you have you have Big Bang, you have Two Anyone. You know, Two Anyone, for example, they play pop, but they also have reggae, they also have rock influences. So V-pop. Okay. So, so those other less... genres are considered part of the J-pop, like the reggae would be considered part of J-pop. Part of it, but I wouldn't say it's a main draw. You know, it's just something to make it sound a little different from everyone else. <laughs> okay. So it's, yeah. is it kind of an overall umbrella for all of their popular music? Um, right now, I would say... Wow, well, this is a good question. I would say V-pop would, would be like more many in the US, I mean, if you talk about popular music, that's mm-hmm. a hugely broad uh, genre. I mean, that can include... That's right, that's uh, right. That can include like Broadway music and music from movies and Ed Sheeran. You know, it can just include just about everything. I think the fundamental difference here as compared to the US is that in Vietnam, you don't really have a Billboard Top 20 or, or any of those charts. Okay. So in the US, so in the US, for example, or in the West or any other country in general, every week or every month, there's a, there's a, there's a chart that shows the top performing artists and uh-huh. stuff like that. Vietnam doesn't have that. So because of that, there is this little peculiar situation where you can have a song from 1970s uh-huh. up on the top of the chart, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I know, okay, I, I mean, I, I've heard that they are going to move towards uh, creating a new chart. I think digital chart or something. I'm not sure because I haven't, I haven't followed up with that particular portion yet. But I've uh-huh. heard that they were going to move, create a chart finally. Yeah. Well, that is really interesting because when I was in Vietnam, I remember thinking, wow, the music that I'm hearing, whether it's in the airport or a restaurant or a hotel, like just hearing in public places, it was so eclectic. Like I would hear Madonna a Madonna song from the 80s. And then I would hear an Ed Sheeran song from recent. And then I would hear a Christmas song. And this is in October. (laughs) I would hear a Christmas song. It's very normal. (laughs) And then I would hear something like, I don't remember if it was exactly Moon River, but it was kind of that genre, like something from like the 40s or 50s. You know, I was like, wow, there's Mm. just a little of everything. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite it's quite eclectic. Like, I mean, I live in a in a very local neighborhood, so I I hear all kinds of music all the time. You know, like I mean, karaoke is a massive thing here in Vietnam. Oh. Like every every other weekend, there's a full on night going on with karaoke, badly sung music and stuff like okay. that. But it's always a very uh, diverse selection of music. You like on one on one hand, you will have like this super old school Vietnamese ballads, you know, singing about love, mm-hmm. loss, and stuff like that. And then after that, the next song is a Michael Jackson number. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's very eclectic, uh-huh. very unpredictable. Yeah. And I would say more or less, it's more or less what uh, Vietnam as a whole is like. Not yeah. many people know what Vietnam is like in, sure. outside of Vietnam. Sure. Yeah. So talk yeah. to us some more about that, how you see that playing out in what Vietnam is like overall. Okay, so a lot of people outside of Vietnam, have this impression that the country is, uh, you know, very strictly controlled, uh, you know, it's very poor, and, and mm-hmm. you know, people are just, like, not earning enough money and stuff like that. This is the general impression that, yeah. that people outside of Vietnam who have never visited Vietnam before they have. But mm-hmm. the, the fundamental difference I notice is that, yeah, you have poor people, you have rich people, you have the, the inequality and stuff like that, you know, but... Mm-hmm. It's not much different from what's happening in other countries. Mm. I find like when I moved here from Singapore, I, I noticed that things here actually were much better and much more advanced than Singapore in a lot of ways when you talk about music. You know, because in uh, Vietnam, we have censorship and stuff like that. You know, the government uh, mm-hmm. keeps a lid on, on things that are potentially, you know, inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So there's always that, uh, what you call the, the heavy arm of the law, you know, mm-hmm. like 
preventing artists from doing what they want to do. So there's a lot of self-censorship going on, mm-hmm. you know. And I would say, I would say, like in terms of how Vietnam is viewed from the world, it's similar to that. There are a lot of things here that are not outside because people either don't want to do it, or they are scared to do it, or they haven't figured out how to do it. Mm. One of the things that I, I I've been doing the past year uh, is that I've been actively involved in the local underground electronic music scene mm-hmm. specifically, you know. And one of the things I noticed myself was that a lot of these artists. Are super talented, you know. They are really good. Mm-hmm. They could, they could, you could take them and put them in a club in Germany, and nobody would tell the difference, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So they are really good, but the problem is they don't really have much attendance, mm-hmm. you know. Like there are not many people who know about it. Okay. There are not many people who, yeah, you know. So that's the the dissonance that I see right now. Mm-hmm. There is the there is the supply, but there's no demand yet because okay. nobody knows about it. Ah, okay. So the followers yeah. that they have on the internet are those largely followers from outside of Vietnam. Uh, local Vietnamese as well as uh, overseas-born Vietnamese. So that means people, you know, their parents left during the war and then yeah. they, they grew up in the West. So those people as well. And also, recently, there have been certain artists where they managed to reach uh, a fan base in Korea, in, uh, in the US, in Australia, you know. So it's growing that way. It's going through the diaspora. And then after that, from there, it, it, go, it, it spreads around locally. But this, these things will take some time. You know, it will take, take years before you finally get a Vietnamese name that everyone else in the world will know. Mm-hmm. We haven't reached that level yet. But I would say, if things go the way they are going, we will hear a Vietnamese superstar within the next five years. Mm. Mm, cool. Well, very yep. interesting. We have a segment on the podcast that I call the improv segment. It's kind of a try this at home, a hack, an experiment that will enhance listeners' lives with music. Do you have an idea, a suggestion for us today? Okay, so... One of the things that I I do, uh, I I don't know if it's a hack or not, but I have this habit like when I wake up in the morning, I like to hum a tune in my head uh, that that fits the current mood I'm in. Mm. So I'll start with a few bars of that, and then after that I will go towards something that's a bit more melodic or more cheerful. And this these are all made up tunes mm. in my head. Okay. Uh, and then I'll go into something a bit more melodic and cheerful. I go for about four bars, you know. And after that, when I stop, I realize I actually start, I feel a little bit better. Okay. So is, <laughs> this, know is this a tune that you make up? You just kind of hum whatever comes into your head. It's not a current existing melody? That's right. It's just something that I just make up on the spot. Okay. And it reflects the mood that you have when you wake up. Yes. And then after that, I try to change it to a different sound to, to kind of re- move towards the mood that I want to be in. Okay, so if you wake up and you're, well, when I wake up, I'm always feeling the same, like, ugh, it's morning. (laughs) I'm a night person, so morning is not my time. (laughs) So say you wake up and you're just feeling tired, like, oh, I wish I could just sleep for another hour. What would you hum? What's an example of something you might hum? (laughs) Usually when when I'm in that scenario, I think about what I'm going to do next. Do I have to wake up for a meeting? Do I have to get out of my house? Or am I staying at home the whole day? So okay. that would play a part in what, what tune I'm humming. If let's say I'm staying at home the whole day, then either I go back to sleep yeah. Or, yeah. Or, I, or I play, or I come up with something like a very light melody, like a, like a, like a deep house kind of sound. Uh, but if I'm going to work, for example, or if I'm going out somewhere or to a meeting, then I'll just hum something with a sense of urgency and much higher tempo. So it could be, uh, I don't know. I, I, in my head, I think of rock metal music or okay. maybe even techno you know stuff like that okay. something darker something faster yeah something energizing yep, okay that's it 
Okay, so you kind of think with sound, which is unique. Like, I, I don't think with sound, but I'm sure there's other people who do. I ha- I'm not familiar with that. That's cool. Yeah, I think I- cool. So mm-hmm. your suggestion for listeners would be to, what, hum a little something when they wake up that reflects the mood that they're feeling at the moment? Mm. And then move towards a different, tu- uh, different tune that would fit the mood that you want to get into. Okay. Okay, yeah. so if your your morning starts with a kid coming in saying I'm sick, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then proceeding to get sick, um, mm-hmm. you might have one type of a, a melody or a, a hum, a song that you might kind of hum, and then you might move that to something that's a little more calm and controlled mm. and mellow. Yep. Or if you wake up and you're just kind of feeling out of it, you could move from that to something that's more energizing. Ah, mm-hmm. I like it. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, either, either that or I sync it with my breathing. So, you know, sometimes when you get excited, you breathe faster. So when you breathe faster, the tempo goes higher as well. So yeah. I, 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 I try to do that sometimes as well. But I feel like it's something that is therapeutic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that doesn't require much effort, but it helps. So I just do it. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. When did you start doing that as a kid? Oh yeah, as a kid. I think I was like maybe four or five years old when I first started doing this. Really? Oh, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> well, I will post a show a link in the show notes to some ways that listeners can connect with you and your work if they if they are interested in, in finding out more. You have a Facebook page, you're on Instagram. You also have a website for your other business that you do, which is a creative collective called Moth People that specializes in branding and storytelling. So I'll include some links to that. We end our show with what I call a coda. It's a musical ending where guests share either um, a story about a moment when music enhanced their life or touched their life or share a special song that has a certain meaning to them. Do you have something that you can share with us today? I can talk about how music helped me to integrate into, uh, into life here. Mm-hmm. When I first moved here about two and a half years ago, I, I took a job as a as a writer for a magazine, which you eventually <laughs> saw this article from. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and just to clarify, you moved from Singapore to Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam? That's right. Yes, okay. correct. And just quick, too, while I'm thinking of it, I was going to clarify something you said earlier. You had referenced Saigon, and I didn't realize, most, maybe most people know this, but I didn't realize this until I was just in Vietnam, that Saigon is what Ho Chi Minh City used to be called. Do I have that yes. right? Okay, so uh, I think I'll explain a bit since I have the opportunity to, because this is something not many people know. Mm. Saigon and Ho Chi Minh City are actually the same thing. Yeah. But there is a difference. So... Uh, okay, so Ho Chi Minh City as a whole uh, has about, I think, 20, 20 plus districts. Uh, Saigon used to be the, the old name of, of uh, Ho Chi Minh City. So it mostly covered the central part of Ho Chi Minh City. So the central part, I think districts 1, 3, 5 and all that, in Chinatown and all that, that's where Saigon originally was and everything else was an outlying district. Oh, okay. But, sub- but subsequently, after the war happened and reunification happened, the city expanded and changed its name to Ho Chi Minh City because of political reasons. Uh-huh. So right now, at this point in time, locally, people refer to it as Saigon. So if you're speaking it to, uh, you're speaking to another local or someone who's living here, they refer to it as Saigon. Oh. But Ho Chi Minh City is the official name. So that's the reason why uh, outside of Vietnam, uh, when you look at official addresses and all that, it's always Ho Chi Minh City. Okay. Okay. So it's, uh, it's the official name of, uh, of this city. So okay. nothing wrong with that. 
but locally, people refer to it as Saigon, conversational-wise and all that. And when you're saying locally, it's people right in Saigon or people within the entire country of Vietnam? Within the entire country. So even in people in Hanoi, for example, uh, when they refer to the South, they most likely say Saigon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yep. Interesting. And it's so only you... two syllables. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. moved from Singapore to Saigon and continue yes. your story about ah. music. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I took up a job as a, as a writer, uh, online content coordinator for City Pass Guide. So one of the things that I had to do was to figure out lifestyle content, you know, things that, uh, I mean, the target audience for that magazine was expats, tourists, you know, uh, English speaking foreigners that come here. Sure. So I had to find like, my, my, our clientele was mostly like hotels, restaurants, you know, like hospitality and tourism stuff. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I, I noticed, uh, was that there was also a very good music scene because I, I accidentally ended up in a techno event one night and I was like, oh my God, this thing exists here, <laughs> you know? And then, and then I figured out like, oh, you know, maybe there is, um, you know, you, you know, like when you look at an ant, you see that one ant first and then after that you realize it's an entire group of them, entire, entire row of them. So similarly, I, I went to one event, I met people and then I realized, oh my God, there's an entire ecosystem, <laughs> you know? So, so that was how I made a lot of friends, you know, like I went there, I, I reviewed uh, shows, I did articles for them, including the one that you saw. Mm. I did a documentary on underground music last year. Mm. So, you know, all these things uh, helped me get a lot of new friends, a lot of new contacts, uh, wow. stuff like that. And even until now, two years later, I'm still very close to them. Mm. You know, yeah. I would say like my first friends in, in Vietnam mostly came from the music scene. Okay. Oh, neat. Well, there are a lot of just amazing people within the musical world. I agree. Yep. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really cool how that world really helps you integrate into a new country and meet new people and develop some strong relationships pretty early on. Neat. Yeah. I've got the language barrier as well because uh, Vietnam obviously speaks Vietnamese, not English. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't speak Vietnamese. So oh, okay. the, my first point of contact were bilingual people, you know, bilingual Vietnamese who can speak both languages. Mm -hmm. And... I met these people first at uh, electronic music events because those events usually are catered for expats or English-speaking foreigners, mm. uh, English-speaking locals. Mm. Okay. You know, so it was like this little gap that I saw that I went into, and then somehow it opened up like a whole bunch of doors for me. So that's uh, that, that's pretty much that pretty much sums it up. Okay. Very cool. Yes. Well, tell us before I let you go here about one of the top musicians right now in Vietnam. Is it pronounced Suboy? Suboy. Suboy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about her. So Vietnam actually has a very uh, healthy underground hip hop scene. It started underground, but I mean, you have mainstream acts as well. Okay. And over the last few years, I've been following some of the new names that came out, you know. And one of the names that, that stood out to me was Suboy. So Suboy is, uh, I think she's in her 20s or 30s. I, I forgot the exact age. Okay. Uh, she's been doing this for quite some time. You know, but recently she's been releasing music videos and albums and touring, you know, doing shows and stuff like that. And her latest album, uh, she released a few music videos out of that. And I was like, oh my God, this is really, I mean, when you look at it, you know what I mean. You know, like you would not think that, uh, this would come out of here. Mm. Like you wouldn't imagine, you wouldn't imagine Vietnamese rap. Mm. Like you, like you hear people talking Vietnamese and you hear rap music, you feel like they are two different things. But I feel like Suboy, <laughs> I feel like Suboy managed to blend them really well together. Okay. Okay. It sounds, yeah, it sounds cool. And the music production, uh, the music video has a really good production quality, you know? So I would say if I were to recommend 
uh, Vietnamese artist right now to anyone outside of Vietnam and say check out Subway is, is probably the best right now. Wonderful. So what we'll get to do is listen here to the recording from a YouTube. I'll include a YouTube the YouTube link in the show notes. And here we get to listen to Subway. Hi, on you load you got. Năm nay 25 hay 30, 35. Thirty and thirty hey Subway, this is um. I know your mother chết khi ta qua 25. Ooh, tôi ta đã quá quan tâm. Feeling myself như phụ nữ của năm. I'm really really hot, my got beat 500. I'm a flow như Melissa. Em super duper fly như má tôi Missy. Nhịp tim phải thoát cho em ít oxy. Hip thì phải hop chỉ có nhất không có gì. Anh muốn hôn nó mà em đôi mà em whiskey tasty. Nếu chỉ mainstream hay là under. Đời này quá hẹp con nương tựa nhà thờ. Thác vắng cờ này chỉ có freedom mà thôi. Tên tôi là Subway đưa thế giới bao vào nồi. Những thứ kia không rơi xuống đây như cho không. Thế giới này như sương mai bay trong gian không. for joining us today. It's time for our listener improv, which is a way for us to hear and learn from each other. Today, I'd like to thank Gabriel for commenting on the Veterans Day episode, episode 15. This episode is a tribute to our country's veterans and takes a deep dive into bugles and the call of taps. Gabriel wrote, 
I'm a junior in high school and also being a scout for almost seven years now. Very interesting, all the information about bugling. Because at every scout camp I've been to, they play reveille in the morning and then taps at night. Our troop owns a bugle, and when a scout gets the position of bugler, they take the bugle for three months and teach themselves how to play it. Usually they already play the French horn or the trumpet. It was interesting to learn more about taps. Looking forward to new episodes. Thank you, Gabriel, for letting me know that. I had no idea that taps was played at scout camps. That is really cool. I'm really curious to know how common this is. Since I heard from Gabriel, I talked to a 7th grade Boy Scout and also an adult former Eagle Scout. Neither of them experienced taps being played at their scout camp. So I'm really curious. I'd love to hear if any of you know more about how common that tradition is or how it got started, which troops play taps each evening at camp, or any other information. Please fill me in. I'd really be interested in hearing about that. Thanks again to Gabriel. Please be a part of the Enhance Life with Music community by sharing a practical, concrete way you enhance life with music. Leave a comment on my website, mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. Comment on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or send me an email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com. You can also email me a voice memo, and we can hear in your own voice the way you enhance life with music. I would love that. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, rate, and review in whatever podcatcher you use. And tell a friend. I just saw stats this week from two different studies on how podcast listeners discover podcasts. Word of mouth tops the list by an overwhelming majority. One study showed 67% of respondents discover their favorite podcast because of a personal recommendation. Another study showed 76% of respondents discovered shows through recommendations. Of that 76%, 41% were recommendations from friends and family, and 35% was from social media, which is like an online word of mouth. So please recognize that you are an influencer and recommend the show in person and by sharing on social media. Thank you so much for listening today for sharing the show, and for sharing your tips on how you enhance life with music. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.